Thank you so much for listening to series one of the Media Careers podcast. We've had such amazing feedback and it's been brilliant to hear how the advice and guidance from our guests has supported and inspired you so much. I also just wanted to flag the show notes to you again. There are direct contact links to our guests within them, as well as links to other companies and organisations who can support and guide you further. So please don't forget to check those out as well. And finally, I have one small favour to ask you. Please could you press the small button to either follow or subscribe to the podcast so we can reach even more people who can hear from these amazing media professionals. Thank you so much and I really hope you enjoy series two. world of BBC Children's content and meet Amy Buscombe, who is a commissioning editor, drama for BBC Children's, working on titles for the 7 Plus audience and their families. Amy's current titles include A Kind of Spark, Phoenix Rise, Mallory Towers, So Awkward and Jamie Johnson, plus family titles Dodger and the Famous Five. Amy started her career in BBC commercial rights before joining BBC Radio Drama and then moving on to the newly established BBC Writers' Room. The BBC Writers' Room seeks out fresh voices, championing writer talent from across the UK, and this is where Amy developed her passion and skills for script editing and development. She then freelanced as an AP before joining LA Productions as Head of Development, where she worked on five series of BBC daytime drama, moving on BBC One single film Common by Jimmy McGovern and CBBC drama Stepping Up. Amy then moved back to the BBC in 2014, initially as a script editor, then senior drama producer for CBBC before her current position. We all know that good writing is at the heart of every story we watch, and I can't wait to find out more from Amy today. Amy, welcome to the Media Careers podcast. Thank you very much. That's quite squirming having to listen to that, but thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's quite a journey there as well. I can't wait to kind of go kind of understand a bit more how you got from commercial rights all the way through to commissioning editor you've obviously done a whole different kind of journey throughout your throughout your career yeah definitely so why don't we start though when you were you when you were a young person I'd like to find out how somebody's personality traits help them later on in their career so can you remember what you were like as a young person and if you had any particular interests or hobbies interesting um yeah, I think I think I loved stories and I loved storytelling as a child. I was sort of quite a voracious reader when I was younger. Would would read kind of all kinds of things, like sometimes things that were a bit too grown up. I remember getting a bit scared of something because I was kind of reading a bit a bit of a, a bit ahead of my um age group and then but then equally also just really loving um, kind of fairy stories and folk tales and maybe reading those a bit beyond the age that I was kind of meant to. Really loved uh, drama as well. So I grew up in rural uh, Devon and there were panto, village pantos, various kind of performing events, I did dance as a child. So, so yeah, I think there was always, I think drama was quite a, quite a thread for sure. Yeah. And did that come from you or was that in your family as well and in your surroundings? Obviously it was within the environment that you were growing up, but was that kind of something that was, you know, encouraged by your parents and your family? Yeah, I think we were encouraged to, to, to kind of to follow whatever we were 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 interested in 
Mm. You know, it's interesting, you know, as a person with a stammer, and when I was younger, my stammer was much more um, apparent. There was never any kind of like, keep me away from performance things or anything like that. I was in, yeah, the school play, <laughs> the village panto, the guides panto. I mean, lit I was all over it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think... I think I was just encouraged to follow what I enjoyed, which I'm, which I'm really grateful for. Yeah, that's amazing and brilliant that your stammer wasn't, you know, that that never impacted anything that you were doing or impacted any of your choices in terms of what I, you're enjoying. I don't think you know when you're younger. I don't think you know necessarily, or it takes a while to work out that there's something kind of different about you. So, yeah, I think you kind of, you continue just kind of on a wave, just sort of doing stuff. I think it's maybe secondary school, perhaps, where that started to feel a bit more noticeable. But, but yeah, for sure, as a, as, a, as a primary school child, I think I was just all over everything and, and you know, indulged, probably. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. And then what about secondary school? Did that... Did that love of drama and storytelling continue? And did that continue into your exams as well, into your GCSEs? It probably did. Probably not quite as much, I think, my school. So I went from a tiny rural primary school where, you know, there was like maybe 60 kids in the whole school to this massive comprehensive where there was 300 kids in my year. So it was a real, it was, it was fine. It was, you know, it was, I didn't have a bad time, but I think I probably just went a, sort of under the radar a bit, you know, it was just massive. Did the drama continue to A-levels and then were you aware of the media industry by that point as well? Had that filtered at all? No, no, not at all. I didn't know what I wanted to do for years. <laughs> years, years. There's many of us that are like that. Yeah, I'm still trying to work it out. No, I wasn't aware. I remember having to go for like mock interviews when I was at secondary school and you had to pick a, a job. And I just didn't know what to pick. I think in the end it was for journalism or public relations or something like that. Yeah, working in the media wasn't even, it wasn't, I wasn't even aware of it, never mind something that I felt I could do. I just, I just didn't, didn't know that existed. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, thanks to my mum, actually, she found out that, that, so they didn't do drama A-level in my sit form, but she found out that the, the, my, uh, the college in, in um, Exeter offered drama A-level. So I, 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 I didn't go to my sixth form and I, 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 yeah, I didn't go to the sixth form of my school. I went to Exeter, it was about 15 miles away from my um, um, village and did drama there along with English and uh, French. And um, it was amazing, actually, just, it really kind of opened up my world. You know, Exeter was the big um, metropolis, even though, you know, in the scheme <laughs> of things, it's maybe not a massive city, but it was, it was a real a real game changer for me, actually. I think I, I met loads of different people. I went on my own. I didn't know anybody else from school there. I was never that phased about starting a new chapter, um, which I think has been quite useful. I 
feel, you know, when sort of September comes and there's a bit of a snap in the air and you get that back to school feeling, mm -hmm. that kind of fills me with a bit of excitement. You know, I love the start of a new term because <laughs> you, you don't know what's coming. You don't know what's ahead. And that's always really exciting. Yeah. And I think having that fresh perspective, fresh eyes, kind of new teachers, particularly, as you say, at that, at that age, 16 to 18, having fresh eyes, new teachers, new surroundings, new approach, new subjects. Yeah, I think uh, I can see how that can be quite enlightening and um, making you feel more independent and more aware of the world. And yeah, it must have been, as you say, it must have been quite a significant point in 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 your life. So then, what, yeah. so then, what happened after A level? So you were at Exeter College, and then so you... I was at Exeter College. I'd applied to Middlesex. I'd had an audition. I hadn't heard back from them in the sort of the time expected, so I thought I hadn't got in. But I, I really, I really liked it. Something about it really kind of appealed to me. I think it was that they were offering a modular degree system, which I think at the time was quite new, where you could kind of pick what the individual kind of um, elements that you were going to study. So when they came through and did offer me something, I'd already kind of then I'd arranged to sort of get a flat in Exeter with a friend and and uh, blah blah. So I deferred. Um, but I think that was really good just in terms of just kind of increasing my independence, I think, and living alone and having to turn up for work every day. And I think, I don't know, I sort of look back and think, you know, moving straight from raw Devon to London might have, I wonder how that would have gone. Um, yeah. But yeah, as it, as it worked out, it worked out really well. Yeah, you um, ended up doing incremental steps, didn't you? Kind of, yeah. without even realising that you and were you doing don't it. I thought I was so grown up. I thought, uh, uh, you know, I so grown up. I still, um, I still cried. The, <laughs> so the night before I moved to London, before my mum and dad took me up, so I, you know, I'd packed up my flat in Exeter, I'd moved back home to get ready to go. And I, you know, I remember crying the night before just because it it felt so big. So I was still doing that at 19 yeah. and having lived on my own for the best part of the year. So, so yeah, I'm really glad I did that actually. And I think then, you know, when I got there, I don't think I knew it at the time, but I think in retrospect, I look back and think I was more able to sort of deal with that. You know, I got a D for drama A-level. <laughs> 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 I got a first for my degree. So you went on to do drama? Degree I did level. drama and theatre studies. Uh, Again, just going for the thing that I enjoyed the most. Mm. And, and you know, yeah, I obviously didn't cover myself in glory at Exeter. <laughs> um, you know, I got a D, but that didn't, that didn't, well, clearly it didn't put me off, but something clicked. Something, I think something clicked at, at Middlesex. Yeah. Obviously, um, well, it obviously did because to come out with a first is no mean feat. So, yeah, I was really surprised. I don't think I was necessarily on track hitting that right from the right from the off. You know, yeah. I wasn't sort of a, a, a hitting firsts from, from the first year kind of thing. So it was. Yeah, it, 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 I, I didn't expect it. Yeah. yeah. So were you thinking that a career in the theatre was where your life might go? Yeah, not that informed at all. Yeah. Um, I, you know, you know, I'm, I'm of an age. I was really privileged to have a free education. Uh, you know, you didn't pay tuition fees. 
there was a means tested grant I got a full grant you know so I feel really lucky that I didn't have that pressure of needing to pick something Mm -hmm. that I could make a living at and that I could earn a good living at as it happens it has led to that but I didn't know that at the time Mm -hmm. but yeah what 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 I do now which is you know essentially it's all about storytelling production performance you know pulling together all the various elements uh, absolutely absolutely draws all the way back through I feel incredibly lucky to have been able to just pick something that I enjoyed and that I was interested in because that's going to be your best chance isn't it to follow something that kind of that that chimes with you, that you connect with, that somehow, even though you might not quite be able to kind of analyse it at the time, that sort of speaks to you in some way, you know, that is going to be the route that you're going to do best at. So then how did you transition? So you finish at Middlesex, then the big wide world is waiting for you. What what does that look like um, for you? (laughs) So that looked like, that looked like working in a cafe, that looked like doing, um, um, kind of fringe theatery things with people that I met through Middlesex. So some friends took a show to Edinburgh and asked me to uh, join them. Um, I was part of a uh, storytelling, like an oral storytelling um, group. And again, kind of back to that sort of that modular degree, what was so wonderful about that is I got to do, I got to do oral storytelling, which is all about the building blocks of a story. They talk about the bare bones of a story. So you, you know, everybody knows Goldilocks and the three bears say, but you're going to tell that story in a different way than I'm going to tell that story. And you don't learn a script, but what you learn is the, you know, the bare bones of it, the spine of it of how that story progresses um, so that you've got a map to follow, but you've got a bit of kind of room and flex as you as you tell it. Um, you know, again, at the time, I feel like it's a bit kind of like wax on, wax off. You know, that is script editing. That is drama development of working out, you know, what is the story? What's the heart of it? What's the bare bones of it? Um, I also did stand-up, you know, having to create your routine draw on kind of lived experience quite often work out what your persona is and again that kind of you know developing a story developing a narrative it was again you know in retrospect so incredibly useful but I yeah I didn't know it at the time well how did you get your first job in the BBC so so again I'm of an age when the media guardian used to be a thing so Every Monday, The Guardian would have a tabloid section, Media Guardian. It was like a phone book. So this is pre-internet where all the media jobs were. And, you know, you'd you'd go through it. You'd circle the ones you were interested in. And I saw a job at the BBC for a drama clerk in the commercial rights department. Now, didn't know what commercial rights was, didn't really know what a clerk was, but it had the word drama in the title. So like, and that was it. <laughs> and that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was totally, that was enough. That was enough. So I, um, yeah, I applied and I, and I interviewed and I, you know, I got the job. Um, and so that 
department was a kind of rapidly increasing department where they looked after the payments for um, for drama programmes when they were being sold overseas. So it was a relatively new thing. There were programmes made that maybe hadn't thought about, uh, you know, the notion of, of programmes being distributed worldwide when they were made or contracted. So, you, you know, you had to sort of go back into the paperwork and just sort of work out what paperwork was there, what was covered, what rights had been initially agreed and did you need to kind of extend anything. And so again, it was another really interesting kind of building block because you you had to sort of make your way through, you know, the a PSC form, program is completed, you know, which has got all of the elements of a program. So you suddenly you would oh right, okay. So there's a producer, there's a director, there's the cast, there's you know, there's music, there's stills, there's maybe a you know a, a film insert. Um, there's all these different elements. Uh, that rights are required um, to be able to broadcast this programme. So that was a really useful building block in terms of getting to try and understand what a television programme was. So I ended up being there a couple of years and it's kind of, I was sort of at the same time I was doing, you know, storytelling at the weekends. I don't think my heart was in the rights department per se, I mean, you know, I enjoyed it and worked with some really brilliant people, but maybe kind of creatively, I was getting what I needed elsewhere. And I sort of did one of those things, you know, when you kind of, you turn around and go, oh, I've been here a couple of years and I got a couple of promotions quite quickly, you know, just from from other people moving on, not from, you know, any, any, any great skill necessarily on my part. I started kind of interviewing for other things in the BBC, and then um, I got a role in um, as an assistant in um, in BBC Radio Drama. And were you trying to get to that drama route? Was that where you were like, actually, I do need to think about my career here and my passion is drama, so I'm going to try and focus in on on that route? Yeah, now. it was focusing in on drama production. Again, I don't think I knew what the roles were or I'd see them coming up being advertised. I don't quite know what they required. You know, I look back at some of the interviews I did and just like, oh my God. Um, <laughs> I think you you were obviously just like going for what you wanted. And I think there's something to be said for that as well. Going, oh, I know I love drama. I know I love storytelling. Anything that's remotely got drama, I'm there. I'm going for it. <laughs> totally, totally. And I do think overall that persistence is the key thing and not kind of like shoving other people out of the way persistence like you know but but just simply keep going keep going if you keep going you you will get there but it is difficult and you hear no far more often than you than you hear yes and so some people understandably peel off Mm -hmm. and think actually you know what I'm going to do something where I feel a bit more wanted or I'm going to take a path of least resistance. But I think, and I think this applies to like a range of roles in the media, really, whether you're, you know, a performer or writer, director, um, you know, if you, if you, if you are daft enough to keep going, you will get there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a really good motto for people to hear 
who are listening to this podcast around persistence and keeping going. And, and I think, and critically, the fact that you're here know a lot, I think that's really important to understand. Totally, totally. And it's, you know, and it, I think what's also really useful to remind yourself of is that is the, is the indirect route is lateral moves. Even one step back to make three forward. And it's also moving about, you know, I've worked in theatre, you know, short film, radio, TV. It's all drama. It's all storytelling. Um, but, but moving around, I think, is the best way to help kind of keep yourself moving. Yeah. And, and yeah, and I ended up, as I say, I got these kind of couple promotions in commercial rights but I wasn't going to kind of move across at that level to production because I just didn't have the experience so you know I took a pay cut and and you know dropped a grade to do that because I was more interested in that work yeah um so you spent a couple of years as an assistant in radio drama and then moved across to the BBC's writers room I'd love you to talk a bit about your time at the BBC writers room because at the time, it was a newly established department, wasn't it? And and is still going today and, and driving a lot of new talent across the BBC, looking at writers across the UK. So I'd love to hear about your time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's amazing. I, I mean, I look at how successful it is now. There's loads of centres across the whole country, the nations and the regions. And, you know, it's properly embedded with the, you know, the the with the drama uh, commissioning teams and is delivering really meaningful, impactful development and work, getting so many writers paid work. It's, um, it's incredible. Uh, but yeah, so, so there were, there were four of us who uh, set it up in the beginning, which is quite mad now to think about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was a, it was a really, it was a really great idea um uh, to 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 put writers at the at the heart of of what people were doing um and i and imagine you sorry I, I was gonna say i imagine you read hundreds of scripts during that time yes yes i mean not to start with to start with i was you know i was still an assistant and so i was more kind of on the admin side but then kind of read more as time went on but yeah absolutely so i remember Jessica John Bill, the mighty, mm -hmm. who was the you know original uh, new writing coordinator, telling me that for the script readers that she was employing, she needed them to have read at least a hundred scripts before she would consider employing them as a as a paid script reader. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And that was so like brilliant for me to hear and just understand what it meant you know and and you know we we talk in loads of different roles again about getting up your flying hours and that's what that means is of doing that role or or, or practicing performing a skill that that role requires again and again and you meet all kinds of people and you think you're great you're brilliant you're going to be absolutely fine you're going to have a fabulous career it's now just about getting up your flying hours. And again, whether that's writing, directing, script you know, reading. script reading, script editing, it is just about 
honing those skills, the more, you know, so for this example, you know, script reading, the more scripts you read, the more you start to appreciate um, patterns, trends, common mistakes, what it is that really marks out um, exceptional writing from sort of decent or okay writing. And so, yeah, I'm really, I'm really grateful for that grounding that being in that department gave me. And um, so it, it worked across lots of different departments and would do writer schemes for, you know, different areas of the BBC, radio, but also TV and comedy, et cetera, et cetera. And so that was really useful as well, I think, just by kind of osmosis and being in the room and, and being at the events that the team was setting up you're learning more than maybe you realise at the time, for sure. You're, you're absorbing all the information, aren't you? You're absorbing conversations. You're absorbing how people are talking about scripts, talking about the environment that people are talking to, you know, talking to writers yeah. and just the conversations that are happening. You, you, as totally. you say. We all, we, all, we all know what we feel about a piece of drama or a script, right? We all, we all watch something on TV and feel a certain way about it. And, and what experience gives you is just the tools with which to articulate that. So rather than just going, oh, yeah, I started watching that drama series, but I tailed off after the first episode, trying to drill down into well, why did you lose interest? What, 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 you know, what point did you start to switch off? And what was it about the characters or the story or the, you know, the way that the story was told that made you lose interest? And and so that's what you're learning is, is being able to articulate, to separate the different elements that go to make up um, writing or production. You know, and I think when you start, one of the first things you, you focus on is the dialogue. But dialogue is only one tiny element of a script and all the rest of it you can't see. It's the only visible one, so you tend to focus on that first. But it's all the invisible things. It's about structure. It's about character. It's about, um, you know, telling stories with, you know, with real kind of confidence and conviction. It's about having a truth to writing. It's about identifying a, um, a, a you know, a perspective, a fresh angle on, a, on an area that maybe you haven't come across before. Um, it's so many things that are kind of invisible to the naked eye. And that's, you know, in retrospect, what I learned kind of really takes a lot of time. Mm. Um, and actually, Amy, is everything that you've been learning since you were a young child from all of those totally, books totally. that you were absorbing and and going through when you were in primary school, right through to college and through to uni. That, as you said, in retrospect, all of those dots have tied up to where you are now. Just love, yeah, just always love stories. Just love stories. And actually, yes, I, I've been kind of lucky enough to to sort of to 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 keep doing to keep to keep doing that and um and not you know i should say like my career is not like a textbook or the quickest way of getting from a to b by no uncertain means but i think that's also kind of useful to know is that there isn't kind of one route through there's there might be a route that a lot of people go through but that doesn't mean that it's the only way that you can that you can move through yeah totally totally um I'd love to hear a little bit more, Amy, about what your job 
today looks like on a day-to-day basis? So we're lucky enough to be your across an idea, a project, kind of from sort of nose to tail, right from the beginning. So somebody might send you, you know, um, a production company might send you a, a page or, or even just like a paragraph in, in an email, of, you know, what about this? And, uh, and, and that's where the, you know, the journey kind of starts. Um, and you are then across that project through, you know, if you take it forward, across development and then into production across the edit broadcast so right the way through so what is the day the the day involves so reading so reading new ideas projects that we've got in development so we'll take projects into paid development where you're looking to essentially get proof of concept so you've got an interesting idea but how do we get that proof of concept? And for drama and, and narrative comedy, that's usually a, a script. You might be discussing that with the team. You might be feeding back to a producer. You might be in a, in a meeting with a producer and often the writer, if it's a development project, once you move to production, once it's been commissioned, we're more of a sort of a hands-off role. So we will be you know, looking at outlines and scene by scenes and scripts. We'll be looking at casting. We'll be having all kinds of conversations conversations about the production and where and how it's made. Um, but then your contact point is usually the producer or the exec producer of the company that's making it. And they're passing your your thoughts on your, when they're shooting, uh, yeah, you might be casting, you might be looking at, you know, the casting shortlists for roles um, that you're across. When they're shooting, you'll be looking at the rushes. Um, because we work in children's, you'll be having conversations with talent about what they need to bear in mind, safeguarding. You know, you'll be having conversations with the talent, you'll be having conversations with the production company. Uh, then you might will be across the edit when the program has been shot you'll be looking at cuts and feeding back on notes and then you're also having conversations with marketing the communications team what used to be called the press team uh, blue peter um you know saturday morning programs um social media teams we've got um We've got a team at BBC Children's called the Impact Team, which kind of coordinate how we promote our programmes on all platforms. And so actually there's still, even once the programme's made, there's still a lot of work to do to get that content to the audience. So um, reading, watching and talking. (laughs) Nicely summarised. Reading, watching, talking. I love it. (laughs) and Amy I've got to ask how do you know that something's going to be good for children yeah I mean it's a real you know we're the only department that doesn't have our target audience working for us with us so yeah absolutely you really have to try and you know keep close to you how kids watch content how they consume what they're interested in, what their passions are. Um, when I first got a job in BBC Children's, I was kind of lucky that my daughter was about like eight or nine, nine, I think at the time. That meant I, I, I sort of, I kind of knew the CBBC, CBBC schedules, like 
inside out because she was like smack bang in that target group and so was able to kind of talk from an informed position about loads of content on the channel not just drama you know non-scripted fact tent documentaries news even you know and you know I was saying earlier I look back at previous interviews I've done where I've like really not done my homework really maybe not understood what was required of me at an interview and almost by osmosis I was like because just just because I had a nine-year-old I was really able to 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 speak from an informed position and plus in the previous company I'd been in we produced a drama for CBBC a year or two previously and 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 you know so I'd kind of seen the commissioning team from the other side as it were which I think is really useful to have been on both sides and I think I definitely encourage people to to move between the two to move between development and production and you know and commissioning if that's something people are interested in because they all kind of inform each other and nothing exists in a in a bubble when I joined um, the children's commissioning team, I didn't think necessarily, yes, this is stay in commissioning for years kind of thing. I just thought, oh, this would be really, this would be really interesting. Yeah. And, but and, and yeah, not knowing what, you know, if I then go back to production or development, well, you know, I think that commissioning perspective is probably going to be really useful. Yeah. Yeah. 100% it will be. Um, Amy, it's been so wonderful talking to you i could talk to you all day about this but um before but before we wrap up i would love to know what your advice would be to people looking to get into this bit of the media industry and kind of particularly obviously on the script development script editing commissioning side of things what advice would you give to people thinking well this sounds like me i love storytelling i read loads of books i read loads of stories how, how do i navigate my way into the industry yeah yeah um i think the first thing is be a fan you know you 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 really need to love tv to work in tv because a massive part of your job is talking about tv that doesn't mean you have to love all tv and it doesn't mean you should be uncritical quite the opposite i've definitely you know been on interview panels before where people have been a bit like i don't really watch much tv and it's kind of like well then you're in the wrong place. Um, so, so yeah, so be a fan. It's amazing to meet people in an interview situation. And even though they might not have that much experience, they're talking with such passion and knowledge and insight about programs that they've watched. They are, they've built up their flying hours. They've built up their articulacy about drama, about the various different elements, about what's working and what's not and what isn't working and so that will really help you move to the next stage when you're thinking they want experience but how do I build up my experience so one be a fan two as we were saying before just keep going keep going and also again as we mentioned before you know really broaden your touch points and that might mean moving between genres, moving between mediums, moving between roles. As long as you kind of keep that core of what it is 
that interests you and that you're passionate about, you know, anything in that area is going to help you keep moving forward. Amy, thank you so much for your time today. I love that. I love that idea of flying hours. Um, I'm going to take that with me from today and I'm sure everybody else listening will do. Thank you so much for your time and good luck with all of your new commissions. And I can't wait to see what you do next. Oh, thanks, Carrie. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to chat. Thank you.